Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. So we've been looking at, at Ephesians, Ephesians, the whole book of Ephesians. We've walked through, we've seen Paul tell us about this incredible relationship that we have with Christ, everything that he's offered us, the, the sacrifice that he made on our behalf, that we were dead and he made us alive. It wasn't just that he made us alive, but then he brought us into his family, making us sons and daughters, gave us every privilege of a son and daughter, blessed us in the heavenly realms with every blessing known in heaven, gave it to us, equipped us to live this amazing life, teaching us through the Spirit as the Spirit dwells us, gave us the Word of God, which the Spirit is constantly unpacking for us and teaching us more and more about God's character and what He wants out of our life and what He wants to do with us. But all that, what He wants to do with us, comes afterwards because it all starts with the fact that He loved us showered us with grace, showered us with mercy, and brought us into his family, not because of what we've done. That was his big thing, right? And this is going to be important today because we've, we've used the word work as it's a kind of a, a, a kind of a, well, I guess it's technically, well, it's a four-letter word, right? But we use it as kind of a, work's a four-letter kind of cuss word in the Bible. But it's not. It's just not at all. Work as it relates to God's love, yeah, believe me, that's wrong. Work as it relates to being able to be saved or brought into the family, that's wrong. We can do nothing to make ourselves worthy of God's love. We can do nothing to make God love us more. We can do nothing to, 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 that God would save us or give us a place in eternity or give us a place with him. We can do nothing. It has no merit attached to us whatsoever. It's simply by his love, mercy, and grace that he offers it to us. That he did the work on our behalf. But then Paul says, but, you, but, but now that you have it, son or daughter, we live like we're sons and daughters. Now that you have this place in the kingdom, you live like it. Now that you've been ushered into the family, you're going to be about the family business. You're going to conduct yourself. You're going to live. You're going to work as part of the family. And so that's really where he picks up in chapter 4, teaching us each step of the way, what it means to not live the way we used to, not live with our old set of values, not live driven by our old vices, but instead living as the son or daughter of the king, living in our new life, living with a new mission, a new purpose, living with the virtues of a son or daughter of the king. And we get into, last week we talked about that the, the old self is full of lies and deceit and speaks falsely and just tries to secure itself and protect itself at whatever the cost. The new man or woman in Christ puts off falsehood and speaks truthfully. Our yeses are yes and our noes are no and that's the end of it. For anything else we're told comes from the father of lies, the deceitful one. We're to, we're to attach and live our, according to the new life, the truthful life and to deny the deceitful life. And we talked about how that, what that does to our witness and our relationships when we don't live that way. Today we're going to look at verse 28. And I know you're going to say, hey, what about the whole anger thing? We got a great treat for you next week. Ben Henriquez is going to be here and he's going to unpack 
what it means to not sin in our anger. And so that'll be a great Sunday. But today we're going to look at verse 28. Ephesians 4, verse 28. And it simply says this. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Old life. Old lust. Old nature. Old man. Old woman. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands. New life, new nature, new son or daughter. Now we must work and do something useful with our hands. Purpose, there's always a purpose. Purpose, that they may have something to share with those in need. You have something to share with those in need. Here we have Ephesus, the third or fourth largest city in the Roman world. They were a powerful city. And tell me if this doesn't sound a little bit like uh, D.C. Metro Loudoun County area. Okay, just tell me. One of the third or fourth largest city in the Roman world. They were a powerful city. They had tourists coming and going on a constant basis. They were a city of significant commerce and trade. But above all, they were a city that centered around the worship of the Greek fertility goddess Artemis. Now you're like, that doesn't sound like around here. No, we just wrap ourselves around the worship of people. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. The fertility goddess Artemis, who became known as the Roman goddess Diana, whose erected temple in the middle of Ephesus was known as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. That was this place, Ephesus. The worship of that pagan, mythical, stone-sculptured god was vile, lewd, perverted, you worshipped the goddess Diana in many ways, but one of the primary ways was you would hire temple prostitutes and partake in sexual sacrifices because Diana or Artemis or whatever it was called at the time was a fertility god, and you had to stir her up so that she would then bless and fertilize the nation, the area, the crops, the fields, whatever it was. That's what was happening in Ephesus. It was under this umbrella that Paul was teaching. It was under this part of the ancient world that Paul was teaching. It's under this context that Paul said, if you were stealing, stop stealing and begin working. And not just working for the sake of work, but do something useful with your hands so that you have something to give those that are in need. Because the way that commerce happened, the way that the corruption was, the way that you dealt with the tourists, the way that you dealt with those coming to worship, is you cheated them, you scammed them, you did whatever you could do to, to line your pockets to get rich. You created false measures. You, you, you jacked up prices. You, you said one thing was one thing, but you sold it as something different. And on and on it went. And he's saying, hey, those that were part of the Gentile life, those that ran over the things of the old nature, do you remember what he said about that? Do you remember part of what he said? He said, they have lost all sensitivity. They have given themselves over to sensuality, so to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. It was all about them. How could I have more? How could I get more? How could I, how could I run over the top of the people that are around me so that I can have more? How can I build my wealth? How can I build my presence in this place? The greed. And so they became cheaters, liars, stealers, robbing whoever they could to line their own pockets. And they did it in the name of commerce. They did it in the name of business. They did it in the name of whatever you want to call it. Much 
just like we do today. What will it take to get the deal? How can I get the better product? How can I sell the better product? What can I say to get people to do what I want them to do? How can I line my pockets? That is the culture of today. How do we get ahead? How do we get the next greatest thing? How do we get more, more, more? The whole world looks to America and says, how much more? Because we're constantly wanting more. And Paul says the new nature isn't about wanting more. The new nature isn't about taking from somebody else so that you'd have for yourself. The new nature isn't about robbing someone so that you can have. The new nature isn't about deceitfulness. The new nature is about following Christ and being a Christ one. About living with the integrity of a Christ one. The new nature is about putting your hand to work so that you have something to give to others brings about a whole different purpose in our life. It brings about a whole different reason we go to work. It brings about a whole different reason. It brings about a whole different look to that paycheck we hold in our hand or we look at our bank account after it's been deposited. It brings about a whole different understanding of what we're here to do. So let's take a look at this. We're just going to look at that, that one verse, which is going to take us to some other passages and other verses. If you have your outlines in front of you, I want to, we're going to look at, at a, a few verses here, okay? And we were made to work and we were made new to work in the family business. I'm going to unpack that for a minute. Scripture begins with God working. We have a working God. Our God is a working man. He's, our God, right, has a tool belt wrapped around his waist and that's how we're introduced to him in Genesis 1. And you're outlined, I made a mistake and I wrote Genesis 1. 28, it is not 128, it is 1-1. It is the first words of Scripture. It's the first words of Scripture. Scripture begins with God working, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created. That's how the whole, that's how we're introduced to God. He's in there working and working and creating and making and working and creating. And he's working. And for six straight days, which to him, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. And he is working, put it all together, making it all happen. And who is it for? For him? Is it for him to just have a, a picture on his mantle to go, look at the universe I made. Wow. No. What's he doing it for? He's doing it for part of his creation, which is us, that he's about to create. And he's doing it so that we have this amazing place to enjoy, that he would inhabit it with us, that we would walk with God, we would partner up with him, we would be his people, and we would walk in unity and in relationship with him. Why was he working? He was working to do what? To give to others. He was working that we would be blessed. That's the DNA that you were given, that's the created God, the creative working God that created you in his image. So we are to be workers. Make no mistake, that is why we struggle with being workaholics, by overworking, by, by working too much, by sometimes twisting it and getting in this sinful state. Our identity comes from our work and our occupation and what we accomplish. God made us to be people who worked and accomplished. God made us to be people who created. God made us to put on the tool belt, take the hammer, and get to work. Make no mistake about it. Work is not a four-letter cuss word. We're to be about it. That's our father. That's who we were made. But I want you to look at something else, too. If we look, and I did not put it in your outline, so I had a challenge you to turn there in, 
in, in your Bibles, but turn to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, in the first three verses, it says this. Thus the heavens and earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work. Circle that. He finished the work that he had been doing. And on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Circle that. And then God blessed him. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating what he had done. You see, circle that word, work too. We are to work. We're made in his likeness to put on the tool belt and go to work, to do something useful with our hands. He knew that we would get twisted up in that. He knew that we would go about it and go about it and go about it. So he gave us another example, creating us in his image. And he says, rest on one day. On one day, put it all down and rest in me. On one day, put it all down and remember that I am the Lord creator and you are not. Remember that you're made in my image. I'm not remade in yours. Put it all down. Worship me and let's rest and watch everything I created keeps on going. And you didn't have to have your hand to the plow that day. I'll rejuvenate you. I will encourage you. I will equip you. I will get you ready for Monday. Because it'll be time to go back to work again and be all about the family business. So rest is also part of the rhythm of work that we see with God. Resting is about that as well. Now we also see that we are made, created to work with God. Not just that we are created to work for no apparent reason. We are created to work with him. In Genesis 1, 27 through 28, it says, God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. Of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We were always intended to rule with God. He would be our God. He would be our ultimate king of kings and lord of lords. But we were to partner with him according to his divine plan, according to his divine ways, partner with him and rule with him. By the way, eternity, you will rule with God. That's what eternity is. We get the impression from Tom and Jerry cartoons and the Roadrunner cartoons that you're going to sit on a cloud and have a harp. I don't want heaven like that. I've never even touched a harp. We actually had a harpist at my last church. That thing was massive, and she got it out, and I'm like, what do you do with that? I'm like, that's boring. No offense to the musicians in the room at all. But I'm not made to play a harp. For those that are, praise Jesus for you. But don't tell me eternity is going to be me sitting on a cloud playing a harp. Because Check it out. To me, that's only one slight, maybe degree better than hell. That's not enticing to me at all. And it's not just to say we're going to worship God. We're not going to sit there and just sing. Worship team, I love to sing. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. I'll be the first one to dance. I'll be the first one to present myself before the Lord and say, I love you, God. But can I just tell you something? This is the only place I ever sing. Like, there is literally not a note that ever comes out. I'm not sure that's a note. But there's not a word that comes out strung together like a song outside of this place. Don't tell me that I'm going to have to spend eternity. Like, days you can't count. There's so many of them. 
singing. That's going to be rough. I don't find a whole lot of joy in that. I will be singing. I will worship. I'll find joy in that. I'm positive of that. But we are going to rule with God. We are his sons and daughters. We're heir to the throne of God. We will enter into this place of ruling and working and doing the kingdom work in a perfect state, not in a fallen state. There'll be no more battle between the old nature and the new nature. I will be living in the fullness of my new nature, never battling again, living next to the holy, next to the holy God, worshiping him, adoring him, and helping do the work of the kingdom. Praise Jesus. By the way, you're building your resume right now. Sons or daughters of the living God, you are building your resume right now. Not for your next employer, but for God himself. That which we sow on earth will be sowed in heaven. That which we do here will be stored up in heaven. The treasures of this world faint and go away. The rewards of heaven are for eternity. What are they? To rule with God. Faithfulness is what he's asked of us. And he's equipped us to live faithfully. Let's keep moving. That means that this. Our greatest assignment on this earth is the proclamation of the gospel and helping one another grow up in Christ. You have no greater job. There is no greater set of responsibilities that you have. But to help people know who Christ is and to grow up in him. Ephesians 2.10 that we looked at earlier. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. You have relationships. You have influences. You have people you have family. You have it all for what reason? To declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. To help people grow up in Christ. To help those that are in need. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18-21, it says this. And all of this is a gift of God, a gift from God, who brought you back to himself through Christ. We've been talking about that. And God has given us the task of reconciling people for him. For God was in Christ reconciling to the, wor the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's what Christ was here doing, the family business. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Christ went back to the throne. And he left with us, depositing the Holy Spirit within us so we are not alone. And he said, you are now my ambassadors. Maybe like in no other place in the country, we should understand what an ambassador is and what they do and how they work and how they act and, and the power that they wield and how what they do represents their country. We represent Jesus Christ for one purpose, that many would know him and many would grow up in him. That's what we're here to do. That means we're going to have to have a new attitude towards work. We're going to have to have a new boss. Your boss is no longer your supervisor, your CEO, your CFO. Your boss is no longer the sales manager. That is not your boss. Your boss is no longer the charge nurse or anyone else. That's not your boss. Your boss now in Christ is Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, through 25 says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. In this new nature, we don't go to work to serve man or woman. We go to serve God. He gave us the job. He gave us the position. You're like, he got it wrong because I hate my job. Well, that's okay. That's absolutely okay. He puts you there to be a light unto him. He puts you there to be salt and light. He puts you there to represent him and to share 
his word with those people. He put you there because he's equipped you for that. He put you there because he's in there making you powerful, more powerful than you could ever think or imagine. He put you there because you were the right person to represent him in that place. Wear it well. Put it on every day that I serve a different God. And some of you are like, hey, I'm, I'm retired. Whatever you do, whatever you put your work to in your hands, that's your work. Some of you are like, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Then that's what you're putting your hands to. Whatever it is, you're putting your hands to the work that God has you. And what is that work? It's being his representative, being his ambassador. And who is your boss? It is Jesus Christ himself, so you serve him. In Luke, we're told a story of several servants who received money before their master went to be anointed a king of that region. And when he came back, he asked what they did with the money he gave, they gave them. The first servant replied to his master, I invested your money and made more than 10 times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with little and I, that I have entrusted to you. And you will govern 10 cities as your reward. By the way, your reward here and in heaven. What we do here is the resume we're building for eternity. What we do here is what God will entrust us with more. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor of five cities. There was another one who stepped forward and said, I, I heard you were a harsh man and I buried what you gave me so that I could at least give it back to you and I wouldn't lose it. And he called that one a wicked servant for he gave him something to be faithful with. He gave them something to go work with. He gave them a mission and a purpose. And he said, now go do with it and trust me that I will do great things with it. And he buried it instead. What has God given you? Where is it that you're going to work? What is it that you're putting your hands towards? What is it that he wants to do? The immeasurable, the unthinkable, the impossible. And he's saying, would you put your hand to the plow for the kingdom of God? Which gives us the new purpose, which is to glorify God in everything. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whatever you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all in the glory, for the glory of God. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether word or in deed, do it all in the name of God. Of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You will spend 65% of your waking hours at work. 65% of your waking hours will be spent at work, in your occupation. The American will work over 90,000 hours in their lifetime. What will you have to show for it? A 401k, a retirement plan, a couple nice houses? What will you have to show for it? Those aren't bad things. Don't hear me say those are bad things. What will you have to show for it? You're not in that business anymore. You have a new purpose for going to work, a new nature of the person. And the new one is it's your fishing pond. The new, the new nature is it's God's platform for you. The new attitude, the new nature, the new reason, the new purpose is it's God's platform for you. It's God's platform for provision. Your work is your platform for provision. Remember at the last part of that, he said that they may do something and share with those in needs. Look, our work provides resources for others, not just ourselves. Our work provides resources for others, not just ourselves. So our purpose is to glorify God, to point everything to him, the way we would act, the way we would work, the way we would conduct ourselves, would all point to him. What rules our lives would all point to him? And then it would give us a new purpose, that I will receive an income from that, I will receive money, I will receive resources. And what do we do with those resources? We don't just store them up for ourselves. We give them to those who have need. Let me share a few things with you. 
Roughly 230 backpacks were given in this last weekend. 205 of them were stuffed with supplies. 460 people showed up to be served yesterday at Crossroads. Over 50 of you were there serving. Those backpacks equated to more than $10,000 that were given away. Earlier this year, 100, over 100 bags of loves were given to foster families, equating to more than $4,000. Close to $5,000 have been given away in benevolence over the last two years. Over the last, I'm sorry, over the last two months. Close to $5,000 in benevolence to help families in need right here in our church. $1,000 have been given towards educational expenses, teaching somebody to know the word of God, helping them go to seminary. Every last Tuesday night of the month, we're going to feed people, and that's going to come, and we're going to pay for it, and we're going to do it. Will you sign up and be a part of it? Go online, get signed up, feed people. Last Tuesday of every month, give yourself away. Remodeling a room in our church, it's already started, it's already been paid for. For what reason? So we can start a pantry, giving more to those who have need. Who's paying for it? This church. The tithes and offerings that come in in our moment of joy. That's how it's being paid for. We're providing over $6,000 a year to Tree of Life to help them have a director for Leesburg to help those more than 460 people that showed up yesterday. The admissions budget equaled 6% of this, year's, of this year's budget. And we're starting to work on it right now, and it will be more next year as we make our way to 10% of the budget, then 12%, then 20%, so that we can give more away to those that are in need. How are we going to accomplish that? We're doing everything we can to get rid of the debt in this church so that no more money goes to the banks. So that no more money goes to lining people's pockets. Instead, it goes to those that are in need. We're doing everything we can to scale back on personnel. If somebody leaves, we're doing our best not to replace them. Why? Because the church can do the ministry of the church and more resources can go to those that are in need to hear about the gospel, to grow up in Christ, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Over $15,000 went to send people to Haiti to work for two weeks and to pour into children who have no mothers and no fathers, but need to hear the gospel and to be helped raised. VBS, close to $2,500 was given in scholarships, transportation fees, and food. There'll be a team that goes to Romania at the end of October. I hope you'll join. We will do everything we can to give more and more and more away to those that are in need. Why? Because that's what we're to do with our resources. That's what we're to do with the money that God brings into the kingdom. Declare the word of God. Help people to know the gospel and to grow up in Christ. But it also provides, it provides a resource for that end, right? So why do we give here at church? So that we can move that money into people's lives. But it also provides you with relationship and influence. Uh, uh, ushers and greeters, I need you to pass those cards out. It provides you with influence. It's your platform for influence. If you spend 65% of your waking hours, 90,000, over 90,000 hours in your lifetime working, what these cards are coming around, these are our teachers in the school. These are the teachers in Providence. These are the teachers that are in schools all around Loudoun. And we are going to pray for them because here's what I'm 100% know is that God loves teachers and he loves students. How do I know? Because you're there. God loves construction workers. How do I know? Because you're one of them. God loves IT people, and he loves analysts, and he loves government employees, and he loves 
uh, State Department employees, and he loves, you name it. And how do I know? Because you're there working, you're there doing the work of the gospel, and you're with somebody that you have influence over. That is your platform. That is your platform to share the word of God. You have stronger relationships with them now than you do your neighbors. Think about it. You come home, the garage door goes up, you go in, the garage door goes down, don't talk to me. But who do you talk to? Who do you spend time with? Your co-workers, your co-laborers, those that work with you. You know them. And you are to proclaim the gospel and help them to grow up in Christ. Wish we had six hours together, but we don't. Take these cards. Don't lose them. Pray for them throughout the year. Different Sundays, I'm going to ask you to bring them back and you're going to trade them up, trade them up so you can pray for other ones. You don't work for the paycheck anymore. New one in Christ. You don't work for the paycheck anymore. It's a provision you've been given so that you can help others. It's a provision you've been given so you can declare the gospel. It's a provision you've been given so that you can help others grow up in Christ. It is your platform. You have relationships. You have influence. Declare the word of God. 65% of your waking hours are spent with those people. Let them know about Jesus. Fight for them. That's why you're there. You're in the family business now. Jesus gave up his life for it. We will too. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for this great, generous church. Thank you for who they are and what they do. Thank you for all the places they will leave this building and go out into. Thank you for all the influences they will have. Thank you for all the interactions they will have. Thank you that you are their boss. Thank you that you make sense of what they do every day. Thank you that you are giving them co-workers, employees, employers that they can walk alongside of. Thank you that you are giving them influence. Thank you that you are providing for them the means in which you are going to reach other people, the resources to give to others who have a need. Thank you that we do not have to live idle, cheat, steal, or take from anyone else. But instead, we have a purpose for our work. Father, may you expand that purpose and may you bless others through us. In your name we pray, amen.